and welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I am Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing all right. Today, we are here to talk about, finally, my favorite character, the star of Revolutionary Girl Utena, Naname Kiryu, and here to help us talk about that is our friend Ludzu. How you doing, Ludzu? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? I'm doing great. I don't speak for Alice. Mm, I see. But I hope she's doing well. I'm going to be having jambalaya here in a bit, so I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Oh, you're going to be doing great. I'm really glad uh, Nanami is your favorite character, Panda, because that makes this a lot easier, I think, a little bit. Nanami is kind of an easy character for people to hate, I find, and we're definitely going to get into that. But I love Naname. I started off not really liking Naname, but I love Naname, and that's why I'm very excited to do this episode, because I had been having trouble finding somebody, and then you ended up just emailing us, and it was like, it all just fell into my lap, which is the best way for things to happen, in my opinion. But let's start off, we have to ask, who is your favorite character? Is it Naname? I... I sort of have kind of defaulted to Nanami lately, but honestly, it's really hard for me to say. I think it's like, I just have this group of favorite characters, really, where it's like, it's always the ones that are like super ambiguous and like really hard to pin down things about them. Like the ones that like test my sympathy or like the ones like that sort of reveal something in the world about the world that is so hard to put down. But with Nanami, I think it's just... I'm like so, I've become like so emotionally invested in a sense that it's sort of become like apologetic sometimes. What do you mean by that? I'm curious. I guess it's like, I guess it's like weighing like the situation she's been, actually, okay. I'm going to step back because it's like, um, I used to like her as sort of like, like when I first saw her, I was like, oh, this is like, this is like a bully getting put through the paces, I guess. And like a completely- A little bit, Yeah. <laughs> In like a completely new context, yeah, and it's like, I, I sort of started liking her from that context, but sort of like, being like, oh well, she's not like she does bad things, and she's like she feels like a bully, you know. So it's like you're sort of like you're sort of like you know you sort of go through it and like sort of like laugh at her situation, but then now it's just like God, like for me, it's like her comedy episodes aren't comedy episodes anymore. It's like, it's really hard to watch them sometimes. And um, I guess it's, I every time I watch her, I just sort of feel like I, I want her out of the school so bad, I guess. I just want to love and protect her and for her to go to a normal school where she can just join a clique and become her local Regina George and not have to worry about sword fighting and rose brides and akio otori yeah just yeah and it i and i guess it's like um like i guess like when i say like apologetic sometimes it's just like i think i've sort of like gone back from like just joking about things about the series like i sort of taken like a really serious like i think like too serious about this show sometimes but it's like sometimes i'm just like awful about things like i've told my friends a couple friends about the show and their reaction to Nami is something like um or they're like they're like suspicious of her like when I like when I mentioned them oh this show has like incest in it and stuff like that so it's like if you really can't deal with that then don't watch it and it's like they it's like they look at Nami 
I think one of them was like looking at Nami and it's like it's I think they're just like suspicious of her from there and it's just a feeling of like I try not to like get too into how they see the show and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I was just looking I, I was just looking at it like like she no, like I don't even know how to put it. Just like she's so like I, I just I don't know I just feel like protective of how others see her in a way in a way like even the other characters like even like even Anthony in a certain sense especially Anthony I would say given uh they've got sort of a an antagonism throughout the series oh yeah like and there's definitely something to that there but yeah I I think like if I had to put it simply Nami is the one I like feel the most emotionally invested in but i don't know if that necessarily makes her my favorite it, it goes back and forth no i, I understand that mm-hmm. yeah like sometimes like the one that you necessarily enjoy on a just a visceral level is not necessarily the one that you are invested in thinking about the most yeah like so- sometimes like my favorite is just one i like go insane in my head over like thinking about a lot you know i i totally understand that but that sort of gets into what is your history with Revolutionary Girl Utsna as a as a series? So I sort of saw it in like, I think I first saw it in like 2013 or something like that. I think like Struggles on Tumblr were like really into it. And I sort of tried it and this is my first watch and I liked it, but I wasn't like something, it wasn't grabbing me in a way. And I felt sort of like, like, I just wasn't getting it, I guess. And part of that was me being like a huge dumbass about certain things in the show. And just, <laughs> sort, I guess, sort of feeling like left out. Like, I wish I got, I wish I got this. But also, like, hmm, like, I felt like a little cheated by, like, how people were sort of talking about the show as like, you know, like, it's a cute Yuri show or whatever. And it's not cute. It's, no. it's not. No. And it's like, no. No. I guess I was like I was no sort of like not ready for that at that point in time but um then it's like fast forward like five years later after that I decided to give it another try because it's like you know I feel like well I'm I'm sort of like able to like take it in better now I guess and also um I sort of got a like a couple perspectives on the show that actually um sort of like maybe like I thought it was better to like reframe my understanding of how things worked. And, you know, also the fact that like, this is a rewatch show. Like you, you get so much out of this or you get so much more out of this when you like look at it again. Definitely. I always say that you have to watch Utena twice because first you have to sort of let it shock you and then you get to absorb it the second time around, like really fully. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, I've talked about this before, but like, you have the whole obfuscation going on with all the roses spinning and all that, and it's almost as if it's deliberately trying to make sure that you have to watch the show more than once. Yeah, it's like it, it's just like the whole structure of the show. It like really leans into it, and yeah, like what like what you said with like the way it obfuscates itself. It's like yeah, I we might I might actually like go back to that too because like I. That's that's one of the things I like love about this show. I mean, I love about it now because it's like, at, like after like all these years, it's just like I think I saw it in like August, and it was like a gradual process, I guess, of coming to like love the show as much as I do now. But it's like it's a really recent thing. Like I 
like I've really come into it and it's been, it's, I think it's like far and away like the best TV show on earth probably it's really that's really exciting because a lot of the people that we get on the show have been fans of Uta for a lot longer than we have which our fandom is pretty recent Alice only got into the show because I made her do this podcast with me and I only mm-hmm. got into it maybe two or three years before that so it's really exciting to have somebody on the show who's also really new to loving Utana. yeah yeah like I think and also just sort of like I guess I kind of like step back from like discussing shows like this. Like, I don't know. I'm not usually, I haven't been into anime in a while, I guess. Like, I think like two, like 2013 was like, the, like those were the anime washing days and stuff like that. And I got more into it recently, but I, I sort of stepped back from discussing it too much. And it sort of just like, it makes me just sort of like want to figure out things on my own, I guess. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes you just want, sometimes a show is a very personal experience and you have to sort of like do that on your own for a little bit. Yeah. I I totally get that. Mm-hmm. I usually just, anytime I start watching something, I just start yelling about it and telling everyone around me. Mm-hmm. And also, <laughs> it, it is true. Yeah. And I guess I should also say that it's like, it's not necessarily bad to take ideas like that you get about the show from other people necessarily yeah. or anything like that but it's just like a thing of like sort of like letting it I guess letting it stew you know I definitely think that Utena is a show that you shouldn't base any of your feelings about it on like I, I Utena is a show that I think that you should go into relatively blind like the less you know about it I think the easier it is to sort of get on board because if you go in with any preconceived notions it kind of like taints the experience in my opinion because it's such a bizarre experience yeah and it's just like i I, that might have been a reaction from just like from before too with like i guess like certain like certain fandom takes on the show of just like it like it being like man they like it feels like they kind of just lied about what it was before and i think that sort of made me want to go back and be like well how do i express how do i express this like completely honestly what like if i had to tell someone else about the show how do i be completely honest about it what was the impression that you got of the show before you started watching it it was sort of that like like they literally just mentioned that it is like a gay show you know and it is like it is to an extent but it's like there's a thing about it where it's not it's not like a super realistic depiction of like or like it's not very personal in any sense I think like I don't disagree with you. I think that I also one of the reasons I ended up getting into it is cuz I knew that it had a female couple at the center but for something that is heavily advertised as a queer anime it has more it has a lot less queerness in it, like queer romance, queer sexuality. It has a lot less of it than you would think, given that that's sort of what it's known for. Well, There's a lot it, of heterosexuality in Utena. Is it less that it's not as much as you think because of what it's known for, or that it's expressed in a, in a, in a way that we are not as familiar with because it's not the 90s anymore? I guess it's more that it's more heterosexual than you would think, given I, the way that it's advertised. It is. I mean, that's also a part of it, too. But it's also like, I guess, like coming into it over the years and just sort of like, 
I don't know, I guess mature, like maturing and like sort of sort of realizing like certain like power structures like within sexuality and things like that. It's like I think the way certain things get interpreted in the show as just like man, I, I'm trying to like come up with an, like with an example of this. Like uh you know the whole thing with like um Cosway, like uh, during uh, Mickey's second duel, when she's like, yeah, you know, when when she's in the car and like going down on. Oh, Anthony. you mean when she and Anthony definitely fuck? Yeah, but it's like <laughs> you know, the thing is, the thing is with that is that it's like it's hard for me to take that as just like, oh, like oh, well, cool. This is like, like this is like a representation, or this is like lesbian representation, or anything like that. It's like, it's it's hard for me to watch that because it's like. To me, it's like Kozue is like taking like what she's learned from Akio in a sense and trying to like replicate it onto Anthe as like a way of like that's how like this is how I'm going to win the duel or something like that. Like Mickey's going to do his own thing. This is how I'm going to do it. And it's like it's it's like there's these meanings to it that are sort of glossed over, I think, when like when people sort of make this show to be like like just when they just sort of go like oh this is like this is gay good you know and it's like yeah i guess it's it i guess there's that and there's also the fact but there's also the fact that it's like pe- like people sort of advertise it as like oh well it's at least like four-fifths gay when it's like one-fifth gay maybe yeah <laughs> i mean unless we're going with the movie oh yeah like Which you are not really a fan of, I've gathered from your writing, which we'll get to later. Wait a minute. Or at least not as big of a fan. Wait a minute. Do you think the blog was my writing? Oh, I did think it was yours. It's not. I'm sorry. That, the blog we're talking about, so... um, We haven't gotten to that yet, but we will. Or we can go into it now, I guess, since we've talked about your history with the show uh we can go into one of the things that you sent us uh was a bunch of blog writing on uh it has to do with naname and alice and i i guess were both uh mistakenly under the assumption that this was your blog but it is not so would you like to tell would you like to introduce for the audience uh what it is that we're talking about these blog posts yeah it's um it's called palace perspective and it's a series of essays that like focus on like how Utena deals with uh, sibling incest as like it's it's like it's, it gets really complicated about it, but it's like the like how why it's why it thematically exists in the show basically, and which is something that we have been asking for a long time. Yeah, like like so I I feel like so many people have uh, come out for it and like have really been like man I've been like. You hear, I heard that a lot about it, like that people have been waiting for it for a really long time. And um, I guess I mentioned, because I, I did not write it. Please, like, please don't think I wrote that. The person who wrote okay. it, the person who wrote it is, uh, goes by Fang Hale, uh, Nora like, uh, Sessi. And she, I, I, I really just want to give a shout out to her, honestly, because like, um, she is honestly the, probably the, one of the biggest reasons why I went back to the show I mean, pretty much because of those essays, but, like, just sort of, like, talking out the show with her in some ways and, like, just sort of, like, it it just, like, sort of helped me process the show differently and, like, in more, like, uh, empathetic and rewarding ways, I think. So she so she's, like, a huge reason why, um, you know, why I pretty much like the show as much as I do now. And, if you're, you know, if you're listening, th- thank you so much, you know? Yeah, like, 
so I've actually I, w- I actually quit back to the link and see how far I actually gone. And I'd actually gone into third part. Oh really? Um, yeah, deer in the works. And I have to say that like we we really should link these because I'm definitely going to link these. This is phenomenal. Like I, I just want to state for the record that this is phenomenal work. Um, some of the analysis i really would need to read this a couple more times to know how much i agree with but as a work itself like this is this is just artful it's a delight to read yeah like like it feels like such man like i it really is like one of those things that make you feel like like there's there's a new set of gears turning in your head that you never like they just had cobwebs over them like they were just neglected the whole time and they just start spinning and it's like I just felt that as I was reading it. It's it's such a good series of essays. So um, I've got to ask, out of curiosity, um, what do you make of some of the sort of central tenets, central points here, um, as far as the nature of Nanames and um, and I'm never going to say that name right, so I apologize. But Naname and Toga's sort of relationship. Like, does it? Do you reading this and seeing the show again? Do you think this is still accurate, or do you have more? Do you have a different view? Or I think it's like I think it kind of varies in a few places. Like, it's more of like the extent of like how like what Toga is doing to Nanami in a certain sense, or how much he knows about certain things. But it's like just sort of looking at it from like the whole series and especially comparing like especially comparing her to Anthony now like it's it's really hard to not agree with most of it i think that was a big point for me is the the comparison to Anthony because like looking i feel dumb because i haven't really done it much and looking back it seems obvious i mean it's like I, i i know how you feel in a sense like i like i felt like I like I think this is like why I feel like this like emotional investment in her because I feel like I like I misinterpret her so bad like not not like people I've seen people do it a lot worse like and I did I did mm. always like her in a sense of like I never was like annoyed by her really as much as other people were but this like brought me to her corner in a way of like just like like man like it feels like the whole story is set against her of like and god i try like i'm trying to think of, of like I'm, I'm trying to process like why i like like these essays so much because honestly okay like going back to the um the word you said before obfuscation thing obfuscation yeah like this the thing i love probably like one of the, there's so many things I love about this show. One of the things I love most is the way that it like it wants you like when you watch it to distrust it, to interrogate what you're watching and not all not just take it at face value. And like the way like the ways it does this, especially like through like repetition, because like you know you know that's like that's one of the big complaints I hear about the show. And even while we were watching again, I was like, man, this is like really repetitive and stuff you know but it's like that's so that's so essential to it because it's like um like i think it's like in the first watch you sort of don't you may not notice it that much but then it's like then you get up to the whole thing with like lieutenant and anthe and it's like just like the hope of that and like just like going off from there of just like that you can uh, you can break out of the system essentially mm-hmm. it's like going going there and then through a rewatch or whatever just going back and realizing that like 
there were these little cracks in the system that always existed. Like there are these little points where the repetition breaks and it's like, they're, they feel so small, but it's like, it's proof that it feels like proof that it's like the system is not impregnable or not impossible to understand. I don't know. I, maybe I'm making even less sense as I say this, but like, God, like, like some examples, like the whole thing with, um, Wakava and like her, like her whole thing, like how she feels like she's not special, but like, then the animation just jumps in quality for her duel. It, that's like it's so hard to not take something like that as intentional or like the way the way you're supposed to like just like or shiori how it's just like like from like her uh elevated convention feels like a huge like a huge lie about her character i guess or like a huge, yeah like yeah that jump with wakaba i i kind of like i kind of noticed that where like she goes on about how not special she is, but she's the one who gets, like, two episodes of arc about her one duel. Yeah. That's because she's a very good girl and she deserves it. Yeah. And, like, I, yeah, and it's, like, it's, like, even, like, as that jump in animation, too, it's, like, it's so hard not to take that, like, 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 this, I don't know, this, like, hint from, like, the animation directors or something, like, like, you know, like, giving her a bone, like, just, like, it's, like, a sympathetic little nod in her direction, I think. And, like, but... Yeah, it's like, it's like the whole, the narrative is framed in this show in a certain way. And it's like when you sort of, it's like when you sort of keep in mind how repetitive it it is, but also like these, like these, like these cracks in it. It's like you you distrust it. You like, it makes you feel like you're actively taking part in it in a sense. Like that you're not, like you're not just actively watching it and that you can't just like sit and enjoy it. You can't just sit and enjoy the show. It demands to be engaged with. Yeah, and it's like, and also, like Nanami herself too is like a really great example of this because I think I think the, the way I like phrase how I felt about her was that it's like her like her episodes are the joke episodes until like until you realize that it wasn't a joke and the joke isn't funny anymore and it probably won't be funny again. Yeah. That's really real, though. Like, it's all a joke. Like, Naname is a joke until it's not funny anymore. Yeah, it's... And I mean, Naname is, like... She has this personality... Like, she has this really, like, outgoing personality. And, like, she's super dramatic and stuff like that. And it's, like... It's... I think, like... I don't really blame people for laughing that much, I guess, in certain places. Because it's, like... Yeah. That's, like, that's how she is, in a sense. But there is... There is like looking back on it now and how like you just like you realize certain things you realize certain weird things like how Suabuki um his like his idea of what a big brother does is to um create like these life-threatening situations for Nanami and pull out and pull her out of it at just the right time. And nobody seems to have a problem with this. Yeah. It like that's just, like that's what you do. That's like it's like cult, like, and it's hard to blame Swabuki too hard for it too, because like, I mean, he's a kid for one thing, but it's like, it's like culturally ingrained in this school that that's what you do in a sense, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and I'm, I'm going through my, I'm going through my notes trying to tick out stuff, and it's like, I'm, I'm starting to realize how much notes I wrote on the on the Nami's episodes. <laughs> Um, before we move on to another question, I do want to tell you guys and the the audience something 
that I I'm sorry you will regret having heard it once it comes out of my mouth, but I have to say this because I was put through this. Um, I received a parcel from Giovanna and Yasha from the Utsuna fan site Empty Movement because they helped me buy some Utsuna swag from Japan. And they wrapped some of my uh, parcels in paper from Dojinshi's. Oh, God. What is it? One page in particular is very clearly from a an Utsuna doujin and it contains a full page panel, almost full page panel of um, Toga and Naname having sex. Oh Oh my god. And Gio and Yasha made me look at that with my own two eyes. I'm not gonna post pictures of this on our Twitter. I'm not doing that. I will not do that. I may oh send one to God. you later, Alice. Yeah. It's it's so horrible oh that my brain actually w- refused to recognize that as what it was at first. I was just like, oh, there's Toga, and he's like with a girl. It's probably Utena. And then I looked closer, and I saw the braid on top of her head, and I swear to God, I was like, you fuckers. <laughs> I hate you. They <gasps> found that just for you. You know that. They right? did. I know they did this to me on purpose. <laughs> This was a, a, an affront against me personally, and that's because they're horrible little trolls. Yeah, I, I'm really glad I don't have to see this, like, anything like I this I will not often. force anyone else to look at it, but I may send Alice a picture later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, back to our subject at hand. That was just something that I meant to bring up at some point during this episode, and I happened to glance over and see it, so I figured now was as good a time as any. Yeah. So one thing from these essays that I kind of wanted to put on the table for the two, for all three of us to talk about is, because I've actually been reading as I go, is, I think it's Ceci, right? Or is it Cece? Ceci, I believe. Ceci. <laughs> um, Ceci puts forth this idea that one of the reasons why Utsuna, the series, is obsessed with the idea of eternity is that, as well as sort of like basically incestuous relationships in one way or another, is that they're kind of the same thing, and that mm. the, those toxic relationships cannot really be escaped in the ways that they, they're not easily escaped, that they sort of like latch onto you and color everything else afterwards. Yeah. And do it's... you think that Naname can, do you, like, at the end of the series, Naname seems to have escaped, but no one ever gets out of anything unscathed. Do you think Naname has really escaped that or not? I mean, if we're, if, like, we usually put this in, like, terms of, like, you know, after, um, after Utena, then Anthe leaves, like, who, like, who leaves next, I think, I don't, I don't know if this is how you would put it, but, like, so, I, this, that's sort of, like, the weird, like, ethical thing that I guess people do, are uh, like, the ethical calculus, or however, however you say it, um, I think she would, she would be out, like, immediately, or not, not, like, maybe not immediately, but, I, she doesn't have much going for her at that nope. point staying there because um because that last image of her um when she's like making tea for uh toga and Sionji and stuff like that that's like a, that for me is like a weird uncomfortable return to like trying to make things normal I guess but it's like you know it's not like it's not gonna go back to normal 
and like like it's over like it's sort of like over for her from there with um toga and just the entire school i think and it's hard it's really hard to say because there's really like as after um her like last duel there you don't really see a lot of her um but i think there's still like some hope in there i think especially in like I think going back to like Nanami's Ag episode, which is the best episode in the show, by the way, but not it, not a it joke. It truly is. It is the like everything, every great thing about the show is in it. I think, and um, yeah, like like it's just like the way that like she sort of like develops develops feeling like this this egg, like this like inanimate doll thing that she's like mothering and stuff like that, and like she like develops feelings for it outside of Toga. And and like my like my take on it, just like the way the way that she's like sort of like how do I say this? Like she's like she's like sneaking it behind his back and just like is and she's like so happy when Sayonji didn't just you know make his omelet and just eat it foolishly. Like the hope I have is that she'll like think back to that, I guess, and just like. I guess think about like like it's possible for me to develop a life outside my brother, I guess. You know. I think that I think that if we go Al- Alice if we go with our time loops theory where like every version of Utna is like a different incarnation of like the same repeating story, then I think that the very last moments of the series are the beginning of another time loop. And I'm hoping that with this new time loop, even if Naname can't remember what happened in the previous one, I'm hoping that some of that still stays with her because I think that in our time loop theory, Alice, we do sort of put forth this idea that sometimes things remain from one time loop to the other or there's lingering effects from one to the other. And I'm hoping that one of the effects of this new time loop is that Naname takes with her the lessons that she learned in the previous one because she's kind of the only one who really sees everything for the bullshit that it is by the Mm. end of the story everyone else is still sort of bought into it a little but naname is the only one that actually has like gotten herself out of the dueling game i mean yeah like naname just like fucks off after her duel she's just done yeah well and part of that is because she starts to see that it, it comes after she sees akio and anthe together and she sort of realizes everything that's going on and she realizes that she doesn't want to be a part of this anymore yeah and um i it's also like funny to sort of like the, i think like the like when you talk about time loops and stuff like that it's like so like even that i i, I guess i would like for maybe this is like a weird um i don't i forget the word for it is but like sometimes i would even like just sort of take that differently because like i honestly think time just sort of moves in like a straight line even with considering like things like the weird things with makage and things like that but that's mm-hmm. like again that's i think that like goes into like the whole um office like the whole obfuscation of like how time is actually working and how um like how that is sort of like this obfuscation is like something that's artificially created essentially like not not just in the sense that like time is actually being manipulated but that it feels that way you know yeah like i mean it's very much supposed to create this sort of sense of like everything is really confusing here and like you're always sort of confused about what's going on it's kind of like being in a casino 
how it's engineered yeah. for you to not notice the passage of time. Or a carousel. One thing I want to say, because you brought up the time thing, and like I, I've talked about the time loop thing a lot. Um, and while I, it is always kind of more of a, a fun thing to me. Yeah. And I do mm. kind of let it go when I'm all doing. I'm really looking at analysis, but I would like to say that one of the things about the time loops theory that I actually kind of hold on to is this sense of reading the various iterations of Utena and Utena itself as a story about a about progress from one point to another. Mm-hmm. That you know, one of the things that's interesting that um, actually Sissy brings up, Sissy brings up, is that like eternity and revolution are inherently sort of opposites. That revolution it implies a change and a break and a destruction of some creation of another thing where eternity is sort of the stagnation of a single and when i did the time loop thing it was partially as a joke but also partially because it actually kind of works to see the show and then the manga and then the movie as a progression of more and more and more understanding ourselves even as everything gets even as stuff gets weirder things like our like anthe's and Uthana's ability to actually embrace their own autonomy um like and that's kind of true with that i mean it's a little true with nanami in the sense that like nanami doesn't suffer any of the things she suffers in the movie because you know toga died and yeah. also she's just a cow yeah and like you know she she's she's basically not there because she didn't or she's kind of only there to be the butt monkey she's there to suffer and in this in the in the best iteration of Uthana we have the most positive one she didn't suffer her brother wasn't apparently wasn't as evil as he was could be later on earlier before and so there's no point like there's kind of no point in her being there because what would she do which sounds terrible but hmm. well i think we kind of got into that uh when we were talking about the manga in our previous episode that when i uh, last week we talked about Naname's absence from the manga and how she wouldn't really fit in there anyway. <laughs> yeah. Again, because what would she do? Like, you know, she's she can't she can't really suffer because, you know, Toga's a very different character. I mean, I, the point you make about the movie is kind of interesting to me as like cuz sometimes it's hard for me i think some the way people sort of frame um the show as like everything is happening from akio's perspective or it's the narrative the narrative framed by akio i guess and the way they do the movie is like that's from anthe's perspective i guess in a sense and that's sort of i think that sort of helps the way i think about the movie because i like i don't have i don't have like i have mixed feelings about the movie i i think a lot of people do but like i i think that's like it's definitely like a, like a pretty optimistic way to see it i think and i can i think i can kind of like it better from there a little bit mm-hmm. because like so, i don't know when i look at like how nanami isn't in the manga and movie sometimes they're like i i just look at it like be papas are cowards why didn't you put it why didn't you put her in there you know right like, yeah i mean i'd have to admit that yeah there's something to that idea that like they didn't because the movie and the the movie and the manga have sort of different levels of comfort mm-hmm. but yeah and, and let's be real like is the movie fun yes is the movie coherent question mark yeah it's like i like i, I love watching the last act of it and it's like i like i think I was I was ready to go with like man this is like really really disappointing and just I think that just that car chase is like okay it, it it's this is this is good okay okay you know um yeah like I it's it's weird hearing like I f- remember one of the um I think it was Enokido was like he mentioned 
I think he mentioned like the reason Nanami isn't in the movie was something about like because her personality was too forceful and it's just like I don't know I I just don't like that's interesting I've never heard that before I don't I don't remember the exact I don't remember if that's exact quote but it's something along those lines that like that her personality was too big for the movie basically she's too much for the movie to handle I see cowards literally yeah but but yeah, like I think we deserved look- to see Naname in the movies. Animation she would have been quality. So cool in the movie. Yeah, I, I I actually wonder about that sometimes, like how they would do the um, uniforms for certain characters that didn't appear. But imagine how badass she would have been in her like her the uniform she does when she starts taking up dueling. Her Kill Bill uniform. Movie. Yes, mm-hmm. the Kill Bill uniform. Imagine how badass that that would have been in the movie. Oh, and she would have had so much hair. I yeah. know, right? Wait, hold on. Because, like, wait, but they, they also cut all, all Uthina's hair, so what if, like, stay with me here, what if there was a short hair on it? Oh, man. Now, I would love a short hair Naname, but I will also point out that they gave Jury a lot more hair. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but a short hair Jury is an impossibility, and we've established the science. <laughs> did the math. A short hair Naname would be interesting. I can't imagine would she, would it just be like oh what is uh there's a persona character that also has like her little braid but it's in a it's a lot her hair's a lot shorter. I would probably look like that. I think I'm seeing unless it went head, way short. I can't shorter. remember which one. M- Makoto persona. Yeah, four five. Mm. Yep, that's who I was thinking of. Makoto from Persona Five. Mm. I, I, I wonder what. Yep. Then I would be in the hair spectrum, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, it's like on, like honestly, sometimes I sort of like like gravitate towards the series. I'll probably be pretty much because she has this like she like she has this huge presence in the show that's like. Like it, it really is like the way Ceci described it. It feels like she's she's practically in like the main five of the show. Or like as she, she really it. is, she's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I mean she has uh, she has the coolest dueling style, by the way. Did you ever know the thing about that? Yeah, like she, she she's she's there to win, or not even no, not even to win because that's jury. Like she like she doesn't play games. She'll kill you. That was actually a thing about her that, like, I noticed in my first view, and after seeing it more than once, I still think this. Like, everyone else's sort of approach to the actual duels is very... They're all concerned about being competent and doing it the way they're supposed to. Mm. And, like, I'm going to fight the way that I've been trained to fight or that I believe I should. And then she just goes in there with, like, dual-wielding, just absolutely no, no finesse, no nuance, just berserker rage and while it's tempting to read that it's just sort of like well Nanami has has to be different because she's the side character goofball i kind of read it at the time i still read it as a this is who Nanami is as a character where mickey and jury are very restrained in what they are willing to do outwardly Nanami, that's like the thing that separates her relation her position with from like from anthes she's the one who's going to bug at the reins like yeah. she's not going to be she's not really as much of a schemer as she is just a just a wrecker yeah and it's like it, yeah and just like even like thinking about like man just, like the whole thing with her and just 
how she's not going to like she, or she just has this like energy about i think every character has like this distinct characteristic about them that sort of like that sort of shows that they're not just going to like you know lie down and take this in a sense but it's like navi's is definitely on a like just on a level that feels like like she like yeah like like you said it's like comparing her to anthe is like um Sometimes I wonder if that's where a lot of like there was some resentment is a little bit because hmm actually like think like thinking about Anthony again because like there might have been at one point where not so much that Anthony was in the exact same place as Nanami but it's like like Anthony I think Anthony or no Nanami is reminded of Anthony what am I saying um, Nanami reminds Anthony too much of her when she was younger and it's like just I think the way that she like really lashes out at her like especially so and like the way that she sort of contributes to like the way the comedy episodes are set up as um as just like these pieces just like these are I started losing my train of thought here like it's okay <laughs> How they like set up as, um, or how it's like she's sort of playing into the narrative that is like you're not supposed to take her seriously as like that she likes that. I mean, she does what like every, a lot of the characters do to each other, and it's like like I'm not like I'm not like you, you know, or it's like you know that thing where she's just like there's more like she's reflecting more of herself in the way that she treats Nanami as like this like special sort of hatred she has for her because. I, I've seen it sort of taken as, um, like, that she's just, like, a fun target for Anthe. And I, she kind of is. Like, I, I kind of see, I kind of see where that comes from. But there's definitely is, like, I feel like there's, like, a very personal spite um, in there, too, you know? Yeah. I mean, there you can definitely read it. There, there are many ways to read it. Mm-hmm. We've usually read it as a little bit more of the she's an easy target, as well as that Naname is like. I mean, first off, Naname probably has started this. Yeah, there, there's that, there's that to consider too. But also, like, I mean, like Ceci kind of argues that it, it comes from like sort of a complicated mixture of um, projection and parallel of their situations, and I can kind of see that. I mean, there, you could also say that like Naname is the more she's not just an easy target, but she She's perhaps the target that you could actually that it might actually be worth striking at because mm. there's not much like you you she could do things to Toka and she could cause she could do things to Seonji and like honestly Seonji's probably an easier target because I mean Seonji's so fragile you could break him with a butter knife he really is yeah like you could do literally anything to Seonji like she could do anything and he would just like cry himself to sleep. <laughs> But instead, she does Naname. Why? Because unlike Seonji, who is pathetic, Naname, you you can't look at Naname and think she's pathetic in quite the same way. Like, her patheticness is like, lasts for two minutes, not for an entire lifetime. Oh, yeah. Like, there's like, there's a sense in which Naname can actually be a, a, a different person, and Seonji's never getting out of that. I, hmm, I, part of me almost wants to feel, like, a little bit optimistic about Sionji, just out of, like, as far as the older boys in this series go, which is, like, not a lot of hope can be had for them, I think, hmm, I think something about how Sionji, I think Sionji would be, like, he could leave the school, in a sense, if we're going by that, if he would just, like, get it, like, just sort of... I don't know, just not be as stupid as he is, I guess. He needs to stop hanging out with Toga. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. Like, just, I guess, sort of, like, sort of realize that, like... Yeah, but they just have to find a new boyfriend. But he can find a better boyfriend. 
I mean... Yeah, look, isn't that the point of the show? Like, you could just, like, you have the freedom to leave, essentially. Yeah. But yeah, like, um, I guess... I'm trying to think about this. Like, going back with, like, the whole thing with uh, Sionji and Nami, they are... They're like a little similar too in that regard. How it's just like they're they're sort of both sort of like the jokes of like the jokes this show plays on in a way. Because like to um, I mean with Sionji, it just sort of feels like like he, it's funny how he sort of starts out as like the the entry level like the entry level boss or, or like you know the whole like um he's the big bad older boy like starting out everything and then it's it's funny to watch people sort of like hate him a little bit and then just as the show goes on just sort of be like like sort of like man i miss i miss sionji in a way i did get to that point where i mean i kind of i never stopped hating sionji because he's a garbage boy oh yeah he's not good but like he's he's so powerless yeah it's kind of you do feel sorry for him as the show goes on and i feel like that lessens the hate a little bit only because you do feel very sorry for him (laughs) Yeah, it's like I feel boy's been sorry through a lot as you, as you can, given like the fact that you know he is like he is one of the older like that specific subset that I call the older boys, and like that he's like he has these he has this very like rewarding um relationship with masculinity and like you know and like i mean that's also the i think that's also the thing too with like um go back to nami too that like like i guess anthony anthony could sort of go against sionji if if he wanted but it's like sionji isn't really doing much doing much to her and like or anthony doesn't really like isn't really phased by it basically um there's something about nami that it's like that it's sort of like retracing steps for her in a way that well actually no i think like there's a bunch of ways you can take that like the way i'm taking it is just that like she hates her guts but there is also the way that you could take that her sort of like doing these things that she does like with like with animals i guess like the whole thing with um the surfing elephants in that one ep or even well even then that's like it's really hard to pin that on her concretely it's so hard to pin so many things concretely on anthe but um you could also just take that as like she's actually trying to get her out of this situation in a sense or trying to like get her out before it's too late like i that's definitely like that's something more like a sympathetic direction i think for um how anthe sees her i can see that reading i'm just not convinced by it but i do see it yeah like i do think it's i do think it's very much on point to say that her special antagonism may be at least partially due to seeing her too much of herself in um seeing too much of herself in naname and it pissing her off yeah i to be honest i think i sort of lean more towards that one too but i do think um i do think at some point even though there's no real like um reconciliation between the two in any sense or not like textually i guess in the series there is um again like with the egg episode there is sort of like a thing of like that choo-choo was in that egg the whole time in a sense and it's like i have to wonder if there's like because um there's like speech anthe has in that episode about uh reincarnation and you know the mother passing the thoughts to the child and stuff like that and it's like maybe i don't know i i guess i have to hope that like the way the way nanami sort of like puts her whole personality into this egg and then you know choo-choo hatches from it i guess um it sort of it sort of like communicates something to anthe at the end of it 
I guess. And like, this is something I thought about rec- like recently when I rewatched it. it was just like, like that weird look that she gives uh, when Choo Choo comes back. I always wonder if like, like it's, it's so different from how she's usually, um, how she would usually see, or there's something about it that strikes me as like different from how she would usually see things about Nanami or related to Nanami as like this like extra resentment she has. And like, in fact, it's sort of it's sort of weird that like I think that's like the first time we see her after like she has like the worst bur- like the worst like cruelest burn on Nanami like um when they mention the egg like it's like oh it's like she laid an egg I wonder who the father is and stuff like that and but like that that look she gives feels so like I don't know how to even describe it it feels like that she's sort of understood something about Nanami in that moment because of, I don't even, like, she's, something was transmitted from Choo Choo to her and because something was transmitted from Nanami to Choo Choo. I don't know. That's, like, the, that's, that's the thing that frustrates me. It's, like, that's the most you can sort of hope for with, mm-hmm. like, sort of linking, linking in a, in a way that feels like this is a hopeful story, you know? It's certainly not a hopeful story, unfortunately. Mm, I don't know. I I do think that, like... The egg episode is, is it's it's a turning point. Like, that's the one where she stops being a joke, because even though it's a, a hilarious episode, the episode itself is funny, it was hard for me to go back and not feel sympathy for her. Mm-hmm. after that like i would go back and like actually no i actually feel bad for you yeah after this you're you're more concretely a person to me or you know yeah and it's, yeah and it's just like the thing about how it's like you know like the, again it's like there's always going to be um these like flashes of a person that show up in spite of like this narrative that they're placed under you know where it's like um it it is it is sort of a matter of like trying to figure it out yourself i guess like where like where where anami is sort of like um sort of talking about her or sort of expressing herself and where it's just like oh that like this feels like this feels too much like how she's sort of like being groomed by her brother and stuff like that and it's like yeah that's it's like i I guess when I, like, even when I talk about, like, oh, these comedy episodes aren't funny to me anymore, it's, like, I, I guess trying to go back from that a little bit is just, like, because it's just, like, you know, she, like, there's something to her that has to exist outside of her brother, I think, but there is, there is that whole there's that whole implication that it's like you can't you can't really escape your the the narrative that all these characters are under and it and there's times where it practically like in in Nami's case especially it feels like at some point the narrative like literally forced itself on her and yeah definitely absolutely uh, one of the things that struck out to me in when we were when I was reading the essays was the mention of uh, Akio and Anthe and Toga and Naname, like that being sort of like the logical progression of Toga and Naname's relationship mm-hmm. as it stands in the series, like from where it was going. And boy, that's grim. <laughs> Yeah, like, I actually sort of, I've wondered about that, how that would work, too, because it's like, um, there's a whole thing about, like, how Akio's not gonna let go of his position, like, that easily, really, but, 
there is there is the whole thing that like if like assu- like even assuming that like a whole there is a progression going on here and that um things like t- like time like time flows in some sense that okay actually I, when i was talking about this with uh Ceci, she put this in a way that's like really great that like um akio and amphi is like the fairy tale version of um sibling incest essentially and like this like that's the narrative that they're like spreading about i guess like as like um like from the like from the top to the bottom um sure like you know like the whole thing they're going with through with like princes and princesses basically yeah um, and toga and nanami it's like toga is trying to force nanami in like the shitty romance novel essentially where it's like um which this is like what sort of makes them a little bit distinct from each other and like not it's not so much that toga's doing exactly the same thing as akio um he's because like you can't just be like oh well i like i'm going to marry my sister or whatever like it's like it doesn't really work that easily um like sibling incest in the show is like it's a forbidden thing in a sense or it's like it's like it's still the taboo it's like but it's a taboo in the sense of like well we're just not going to talk about that like yeah and it's like from there um it's i think toga just sort of took that as like well i just have to be more i just have to be a little more clever about it and i guess and just sort of thinking about how like you know like i should like there's probably a bunch of what's the name of that one like anime everyone hates where it's like oh like my like my little sister can't be this cute or something like that uh that sounds like the name of an anime that i would hate (laughs) yeah that sounds like the name of of, yeah the oh i just i'm sorry i'm overcome with my own like intense hatred of just that title yeah it's i'm i'm trying i'm oremo oh I, uh I oremo i've yeah. heard that name before i just don't know much about it other than to stay away from it yeah it's like toga's literally trying to oremo like he's he's trying to like like it's not that i don't know if it's so much that he's like he knows that it's not so much that he knows that like oh no one will believe nanami so this works for me but it's like he's he's definitely trying to get Nanami to like fall into like fall into line with this with this narrative in a sense and um the problem is the problem is that Nanami sort of she he doesn't really understand what Nanami actually wanted he thinks he thinks Nanami actually wants actually wishes she could fall in love with his brother or with her brother well it's because he's been so twisted by like Akio's machinations that he sees the way that Naname is behaving towards him and assumes that that can be the only thing that she wants. Okay, can I ask you guys a qu- mm-hmm. question? I finished this, but I have a question after sorry keep going sure like um i think it's part of it too but it's also like i honestly think it sort of just stems from like the way toga is can probably be said to stem from a nanami too because it's like like it's one it's one thing that akio is influencing toga um and it has sort of become like a like this really weird perverse like role model for him but like there's also how like he has all like he has access to all these girls and but it's like it's like he doesn't think very much of them, or that they're just like you know they're just pat they're just passerbys to him essentially. Like it doesn't really matter. Like the relationships with them doesn't matter. But it's like but his but like his sister's special, you know. So it's like it's like why like she can 
it's almost like this thing of like um because the culture has sort of like the culture of Vittori has sort of like supported Nanami's love for her brother is like like this like very unhealthy love for her brother it's like at that point why can't like Toga sort of figures like I'll practice with her I guess like and like the way like the ways that he sort of manipulates Utena too is like it's he's like too good at it you know yeah it's like that's it's I don't think that's just something, um, I mean, there probably is some, like, practice with, like, Akio going on there, but it's definitely, like, the the way he treats his, sis- his sister is, like, it's, like, it's, like, something that, like, is permanent. To, like, you know, going back to, like, the eternity thing, you know, it's, like, yeah. that's something he'll always have, so, like that's like that's why he's going for this in the way that he is um and man i i also we can go we can go with your question uh, alice i was just, i think i i sort of forgot the thought i was about to finish with that but yeah so the question i have for both of you is does naname actually love toka romantically or is her quote-unquote romantic feeling actually just a sort of ingrown loneliness I think, well, I mean, I def- I think I go towards the latter, definitely. But it is like, you know, I she really did just want, like, a family. Like, she wanted something that would be, um, I mean, she like, she this was her own eternity in a sense, too. But it was, like, completely, di- it was completely different from what Toga was hoping it would be. And, like, th- that's why, like, and, okay, I, I sort of remember what I was going with. Like, that's why the whole thing with, um, when Toga was like, oh, I'm, like, why Toga played into the whole thing when, um, Nanami's, uh, figures out, or thinks she figures out that, um, Toga isn't her brother. The reason, like, um, he played into that was in the host that, like, you know, true to, like, uh, shitty sibling incest, uh, romance novel ending would be like, oh, oh, he's not my brother. I can pursue this relationship. But, um, no, like, 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 God, that that part where she's like, or, like, that part where she's like, um, and when Toga comes to Akio's, um, observatory, I don't, that that building has become so abstract for me, I don't even know what to call it. His tower, I guess. Um, and she's just like, you know, go home. Like, like, I, I don't know. I just love that moment so much. But, um, yeah, like, she really, like she sort of hoped that she or she hoped that he would be like um the one constant in her life as like just family you know and then it's I like know it's so sad yeah it's man, it, it's it's so it's really it's really hard to watch now like i i like not even just hers i i feel like so many episodes in the show become hard to watch when you just sort of like think about implications with them and and like you know keeping in mind like these are all these are all kids man yeah when you remember that these characters are supposed to be like 14 it's like oh that's been the biggest change in adulthood is uh when i realized that an anime character is 14 i'm like where are your parents who is taking care of you yeah and and like even like and talking about parents too like there are no parents in otorio academy there's reference to a single set of actual parents and we only hear from one of them yeah and it's like i, I think i was gonna make some point with lieutenant but i sort of forgot what that was but um yeah it's i, I don't know like uh, mm, I, i'm trying to like sort of think about your question with like um sort of talking about like your, your question with like does she actually love her brother or is this just like love her brother magically or does she want family and it's like there's it's like even going back to that though there's moments where it's like you feel like it would have gotten close like if 
like if Toga was just a little more successful with his grooming, like it, like Nanami would have been in the same situation as Ampi in a sense. Like it, like the, I think it literally just happens because Toga, like Toga, made mistakes and was just bad, not as good at it as Akio. Yeah, like I mean, Ceci in her her blogs is actually pretty open about the fact that like she kind of sees the two of them as being a sort of like first stage of Anthony Akio, and it's pretty easy to see it Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i was uh that's what i was talking about being very bleak is i don't like to think about that it's very it's a a very obvious thing to pick up like while you're uh really getting into the show but i definitely don't like to think about it Yeah, I, yeah. it was like, it was really hard for me to like, par- like, again, this is something that was hard for me to parse uh, when I originally watched this show as like, I couldn't, like, it, that there was no one real, there's no real way to like process this, I guess, or that it just sort of came off as like uncomfortable for me, I like just, or just like solely uncomfortable, like I didn't really, I couldn't really figure out a way why it was, but it's like, it's, man, I don't know, I I like I appreciate just the show how like the show just sort of like really cuts to the bone on this in a way that's like it really feels like I've never really I've never seen this talked about you know like I mean like I I think like I think even like Ceci has sort of like um really really gone out of her way to say this like that there isn't she hasn't found that many works about sibling incest or anything like that like not so much a representation of it really but like these like signifiers of it and like the way that it's sort of like treated treated as like a culmination of like the show's themes on like you know patriarchy and child abuse and how like both these things sort of interconnect with each other and um yeah it like and it's tough because like the way like the way incest is like thought about is like um like originally like originally like the best case scenario i found for the way people sort of talked about this show was um they sort of thought about it as like it's a taboo in the same way that like it could be replaced with like cannibalism or something like that or it's like it, like not exactly it, but yeah but but fair but not a very unnuanced and often sim- simplistic reading yeah mm. i think like maybe a better way of saying that is that it's like what a tenant was like the way it was described was that like what Attenda was doing with sibling incest is like what um this is and this is like a really this is a really bad quote I heard it was like what Attenda was doing with sibling incest is like what um Amos proposal was doing with cannibalism, but issue with <laughs> yeah oh no I love that I love that so much I I I hate it but it also makes me it also makes me grin like an idiot that's so, so good I I like. I don't know. I don't know why they. I don't know why they. Like, I was trying to think of this way that was like, why, why this? But I. I think like okay. Like I think the way that the like, the difference between the two is that um, Utena like talks about how sibling incest is perceived like culturally and by society and things like that. Like mm-hmm. Swift wasn't really thinking much that hard about what eating people actually meant or anything like that or how people. Or how people saw it, exactly. Well, and the problem that Swift was approaching is vastly different than this. Yeah, yeah. Like, There's also a lot more to that story than you usually get in school. That's um, fair. Yeah, like, there's there's a lot going on there. But, I mean, it, it kind of is. I mean, yeah, Utena it, 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 it is very much using incest as a extreme example of the toxicity and kind of 
that that can be in relationships, both familial and sexual. But it's it's not just that. Like no, yeah, I, and, I, and I, I think Ceci is right about this. That like that it's looking at that specifically because it's something that no one is really willing to talk about for pretty understandable reasons and it's something that like doesn't always look like what we assume it looks like just as um i mean when you were talking about the moss proposal like part of the reason moss proposal kind of works worked then is because of the situation around it and nowadays even though we can get the same idea it's not going to have the same effect for us Mm -hmm. um and we can kind of get at the idea of what sort of this incestuous relationship can look like in our heads, but we don't, we don't, we're not really connecting it to the real thing. And Uthana is trying really hard to show you, wow, five different ways that you can look at this and connect to the real idea of what a toxic relationship actually looks like and how it feels. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I sort of, I really love this show, man. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess it's like, um, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to like, sort of like connect this back to Anthe too. Cause like, um, the whole, situ- like the whole situation with her and like how that's sort of like, I guess what could have been considered like a late stage for where, Nana- where like Nanami and Toga could have gone is that it's like, there's also like, the like the whole thing with like complicity that like especially that especially Ansley feels with like her relationship and like to like to be fair there are things that like that like she kind of is like complicit in like you know like the whole thing with that Kanai was probably dead and like um that she sorted and like yeah and is raped by Akio too but it's like even like even that has to be sort of framed by like this whole like or like the power relationship between um her and Akio because like and like that's the whole thing with like like on the surface it's like even like even even though they're like years apart um that their siblings like makes it just appear on the surface is like well they're like they're they're practically equal age and they're siblings so it's like you know they're um they have they both have equal says in their own destinies or whatever when that is when that is definitely not the case and i think that's like another that's like another feature of this that um could also go back to uh like that whole that whole thing about complicity is like um that can also go back to nanami too with like how she felt about when she drowned the cat essentially like that's like that's like a point of no return for her in this or that could be construed as like a point of no return for her in the same way that like anthe's point of return point of no return might be something like when she decided to hold Dio's hostage I guess or at least that's how the narrative is framed to us um like this thing about like well I like I'm in like I've been in this for so long that like I you know like I like I've like I'm a part of this now I guess and yeah, yeah god like the seeing that kind of engineered artificial that just the illusion of being complicit is just that was really painful it was really hard to watch that like yeah the the episode with the cat was really hard on us mm-hmm. i remember like that was the first time i was like "Ooh, i don't really, i feel like i don't want to watch this show anymore for a little yeah yeah that one was rough and not just because of the cat but also because like realizing i, I as i began to realize at that point like oh god you live with that now 
and and like you know there's a non-zero ch- even then i knew there was a non-zero chance that he knew about it it was completely just letting her suffer with that mm-hmm. and, and i was right <laughs> and i mean i mentioned i mentioned the whole thing about like apologetics and things with her and it's like sometimes like uh when i was like watching with friends and stuff like that like um like they they knew i liked anami and um we got to the part where it's like with the cat and like she feels bad and they're just like like you why do you like this person so much and it's just like sometimes i just i think one time i like looked in the chair like what cat what cat i don't i don't know what you mean i can't read suddenly i don't know (laughs) yeah it's just like like it's like it's like yeah it's like it's bad to kill the cat but it's like at some point i feel like who 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 cares this is worse yeah it's and I'm, I'm trying to think of like like what like oh yeah there's actually something i wanted to mention um mm-hmm. i found out pretty recently that all of her episode all of her episodes and in, also including like um the episodes that star suwabuki in some capacity um, there was a, like a specialized Nanami writer for the series. That's like um, his. He's listed as uh, Noboru Higa. If I'm saying that right, Noboru Higa. I think we have talked about on the show how there's speculation that that's like a fake name for Ikahara or something. Actually, it's it's not, or at least I don't think it is because um, Sassy actually like um, that. She like uh, searched the name. Uh, somewhere else and the name is i think like ryota yamaguchi who did like uh the last as super supers and stars like the last two seasons of sailor moon Ooh, this is my territory yeah he did that he did escaflown um oh uh geo and yasha really like escaflone they've tried to get me to watch it before <laughs> yeah and- i've heard of it i've just never watched it I never really got around to it either. Like I, I don't. I, I looked at his page and I don't really recognize a lot of the series, which kind of says a lot about how, um, how like not into this I am. But like, um, he did like I think episode three of Cowboy Bebop. That's all I got. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's it was really weird to find out that like at, like out of all the characters, um, like Nanami and Suabuki have like their own. Like their own very specific writer. It makes sense, I think, because there's a like there's a tonal consistency throughout those episodes that involve uh, either one or both of them. That it it makes sense that there was somebody consistently there, like for each episode. Yeah, like actually, but it's like not even it's one thing that's weird about it is like not even the comedy episodes, like the dual episodes too. Like, like all, like all of it, like, uh, Swabiki's Black Rose are one, I think also. Oh, huh. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That, like, that's a really surreal little detail. How did you feel about the Suabuki Naname I clip wanted show to bring episode? That up because it, we, we have to talk about it. Yeah. Um. Specifically the dual episode, because we just have to. And also the uh, the clip show episode where it's just the the anime clip show. Oh god, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's so good. I, I really like how that like they just sort of made one specifically for them. Um, but also, Alice, when you when you meant the dual episode, do you mean like specifically Swabuki's duel? Yes. Mm, like because I mean we 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 we've tried. To talk about it, but we just get before we've gotten hung up on just how unabashedly over the top horny that episode is. 
And then we just, we can't help but just giggle about it, so I'm trying not to. Yeah, it's like, that episode, like, it fits though, because it's like, Swabu Ki is trying, he's trying to understand what it means to be adult, so like, it makes sense that that episode is framed by all these, like, really, like, really bad sex jokes, essentially. Which, on one hand, is hilarious, and there's also the, like, where Anthony has to be playing Uthana for a fool. There's just no way... But also, like, I mean, jokes aside, one thing that really caught me in the episode was, you know, it's kind of funny that this kid, and he is a kid, comes to a bunch of teenagers trying to figure out what it means to be an adult. And the best they can do for him is sex jokes. Or, yeah. Or, like, that's it. That's the only thing I could think of. The only thing they could think of about what, se- what about what being an adult means, about what growing up means, is, like, carnal activity. And, yeah, I guess it's part of it, but, like, there's something there. Yeah, and or just watch, or you know, just watch a bunch of watch a bunch of like kissing, and you know that that'll that'll grow you up a bit, I guess somehow. Um, there's, I think, also just I guess talking about like the relationship between Nanami and Slavaki, like the fact that like um, Nanami just sort of sees a like what her idea of a boyfriend is just someone someone that's gonna help her through thick and thin without any real attach like any any real attachment from her is sort of like I don't know that I guess that sort of also speaks to like just sort of like the insecurity sort of fostered in her about it but it's also like it, i mean like and that's also something you can get her for that like you know she is treating swapaki like a slave practically because out of this but it's also like um i also keep thinking back to that one point in swapaki's black rose episode where like and this is like one of the like the one like really kind it's like one of those really moments of kindness in this series that kind of gets to me where it's like um you know, where Nanami comes to his dorm and he's and you know he's like really he's like upset to the point of tears where it's like you know I like I want to do adult things and you know Nanami is just like you know you're fine you're you're fine the way you are and that's like I that's like that's me really like one of the one really vulnerable moments she has with someone else I think but it's but there is also like the way that's framed and stuff like that like how they're in completely different rooms and stuff like that where it's like you know like so, you know society is still the way it is basically and you know it, it it just man i like again that's that's one like one of the good things about this show is just like the way that like it always sort of places society in the background of every interaction yeah i mean um is really like it's simultaneously way too over like overly aware of just how society is while at the same time being utterly divorced from actual society i don't know how it does that oh yeah (laughs) yeah it does it's like i mean it really beats you over the head over this with this sort of stuff like it's like it's not subtle at all but it's also like it feels really vicious about it and it's like that it's at some point you start to feel like that is the point like it's like it's not like again like again it's like um it doesn't really want it um, i really don't think they just want you to enjoy this you know yeah yeah like I think the only show that could really get the sort of like very much influence, like that sort of that weird contradiction of this show is about what society is like for in this in this facet of it, and yet is completely divorced from real life. The only other one I can get that same feeling with would probably be another Ikihara show. It'd be Yuri. Mm-hmm. No spoilers. No spoilers, <laughs> but Yuri Kuma is a perfect explanation of what it feels like to be super super cooperative. Mm. I 
Lidza, I don't know if how uh, I don't know how much you keep up with the show, but we're planning on doing Yuri Kuma next after we get through everything there is to cover on Utena. Yeah, if, if that's even possible. <laughs> I'd be kind of interested in that because honestly, I didn't, I didn't love Yurikuma when I saw it, but it was like, it was also because of, um, you know, the same mentality that I'm, I'm not sure. Cause I have, I have weird feelings about Ikuhara, like the more I read into, like into his work, yes. like I, I, at this point, I'm sort of believing that like B Papas is just like, it was a completely like collaborative thing. What happened with Utena and that like like people sort of canceled each other out in a sense of or like people canceled each other out and sort of like held up their strengths like I, I feel like there's a lot going on with Utena's production especially that's just like how how the hell did it happen we've previously compared uh Ikahara to the likes of uh Star Wars as George Lucas because uh this is someone who clearly uh has a lot of talent and has a vision but needs to be reined in and collaborated with in order to come up with something that is truly great as opposed to just sort of leaving him to his own devices and then that's how we get the prequels mm. yeah I, I i think i can see where that's coming from well, and like, uh, we've heard a lot of other people say that they weren't as big of fans of things like Yuri Kuma and uh, Penguin Drum because they just didn't have the same, like, there wasn't the same magic that there is in Utena in a figurative sense. Yeah, I, I I'll have to go back to those at some point because I really want to see, like, I really want to, like, re-examine them um, through, like, a new lens, I guess. Yeah, don't, I, I will say this, do not expect Yurikuma to be as good. Yeah. I think it's better on repeat watches because once you're, once you were over how ludicrously yonic it is all the time, um, <laughs> it becomes, it, it it makes a lot more sense than it is actually a lot better, which, you know, to tie it back to what this episode's about, that's kind of how Yanname is, in the sense that, like, you know, the more, like, the first time around, it's easy to dismiss her as a joke, and the second time around, it's not, she's not really a joke. You love her. Her funny moments are no longer funny at her expense. Half of them aren't funny at all, and the other half are funny because she's genuinely funny. She's not, like, the, the butt monkey. She's just a funny character. Yeah. Well, and you realize that so many things that happen to Naname throughout the series that seem like total non sequiturs are totally like, they're totally relevant and it totally ties back to everything. It just doesn't seem like it will at the time. Yeah, it, it, it's, I, I think it's just one of those things that like, the show feels like super interconnected in that way, just because it's like, I guess it's, maybe this is just like the whole ambiguity that every character has that makes it that makes them feel like you know if you want to fit, if you just, I guess want to decide for yourself where like how like how much their upbringing sort of decides them I guess or sort of affects their life because I mean the answer is your your upbringing sort of decides a lot about you but um there's definitely a there's definitely a feeling of like especially by the end where it's like you know you could possibly like figure out things for yourself i guess and you know 
I have the highest hope of that with Nanami, I guess. So do we have any kind of like sort of winding down closing thoughts? that we haven't gotten to yet. Mm. Okay, I have that one, but it's like... Yeah, is there some Naname stuff that we haven't covered that you would like us to talk about? Oh, yeah. Um, I guess one thing, like, I, we didn't really talk about, like, the cow episode that much, I guess. Like, I think, yeah, this, this is actually something um, to mention, I guess. It's, like, I think, like, going back to the show, too, I there was um the thing about the song, like, the song that plays, like, Dona Dona, I think that's, like... Um, yes yeah how did we not talk about that yes absolutely we need to talk about that because i didn't know about the the full version of the song until reading those blog posts that sassy did i knew about this because scarlet told Ooh, interesting yes she's the one that showed me that found me the john joan Joan bowles or whatever her name that version of it and it's so good it makes that whole episode not it makes that whole episode really yeah uh alice do you want to sort of introduce what it is exactly that we're talking about okay so like let me get you the actual texts because that is kind of important it's the Um, it's it's in the episode right it well like a truncated version yeah the japanese version is a truncated version there's actually it's a longer version see if i can find the longer version real quick because you'll see what i mean John Bose. A wagon bound for market. There's a calf with a mournful eye. High above him, there's a swallow leaning swiftly through the sky. How the winds are laughing. They laugh with all their might. Laugh and laugh all day through and half the summer's night. I'm skipping the course, by the way. Yeah. Stop complaining, said the farmer who told you a calf to be. Why don't you have wings to fly with like the swallows so proud and free? How the winds are laughing. They laugh with all their might. <laughs> laugh and laugh the whole day through and half the summer's night. Calves are easily bound and slaughtered, never knowing the reason why. But whoever treasures freedom, like the swallow has learned to fly Ugh, yeah. i don't like that <laughs> that line about that line about like how the winds are laughing is just like like that's like that's like the whole atmosphere like the nami's thing like god yeah i mean when, when you realize that there's a longer version and you get putting the pieces together why it's there it becomes easy to sort of realize that like oh like the whole like the this this is it's it's funny until it's funny and it still is funny now even though i know this but like the point of that episode is partially that anthony is fucking with naname but it's also that like anthony or the anthony kind of realizes and probably you know toga realizes that naname is kind of a sacrificial lamb to him like yeah he she is like her relationship to her brother is not one of that she would like of brother and sister or like even of, of lovers, but of like she's the fat calf. He's taking the market, the slaughter. Yeah, and like she feeding, feeding, hand feeding her. Yeah, he's because she's the special one. After mm-hmm. all, she's going to she's going to get him a lot of money. You know, like it's it's sort of like every she she's special only because of a dark purpose that she his her treat her like the way he's treated her is only because he can get something out of. And it's incredibly dark. And it's like, it's really true, you know? Like, the only reason that... One of, one of the only reasons that he has really been this way in the show is because, as far as we can tell, he's trying to get something out of her. Yeah. And that is, you know, like, whether it's validation, whether it's gratification, whether if you take what the movie says about Toga to be true, 
and then you know you can see some other things regarding his father that you can read that in a bunch of different ways whatever he's getting out of it he's getting something out of it at her expense yeah god like yeah. there and, and like I, I, I don't I don't know at this point. I just like I it's at some point it's like I I really have to like I have to hope things go well for her. Like just sort of at the end of the series and just sort of like um I guess just sort of like maybe she'll look back on that weird dream she had and you know, think like, oh, may, maybe I shouldn't maybe I should not stick here. Like I mean not just going back to the egg thing too, but also going back to that. The egg. Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> she cracked i mean hey she cracked the world shell she God. sure did yeah she cracked she cracked choo choo's shell <laughs> on one level the egg is one of the greatest surrealistic robs i've ever watched anime on the other hand it's i'm really sorry for this guys i have to do this i have to go there it's really easy to read the egg as some kind of weird botched pregnancy metaphor yeah i, I think specifically being like with specifically the joke at least for anthe is that it's togas oh man i didn't even think yeah. about that that, uh... I, that that i thought about that the second time i watched it is like it was it was all immediately like eight percent less funny uh... and then i got to the giant alien egg and then it was funny again and i was able to say oh, praise the giant alien egg yeah um, Thomas, why did you do this to me because it had i had to because i you know I, I value you as a collaborator and i value our podcast <laughs> and i value my ability to tell you cursed things that you hate and because you sent me a picture of the rapping <laughs> like, like a like like an like an awful awful terrible person i was about to this. say i probably deserve this for sending you that picture earlier <laughs> uh. I live in hell now, and I have taken you with me. No, but for real, like, I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of where the episode, the episode's kind of going to, at least a little bit. Is I that, like, don't Anthony, disagree. An, yeah, Anthony knows that it's a really terrible, terrible dig by An- with Anthony, where she's like, ha ha, look at you, with maybe a little bit of, how do I say this, tacit acknowledgement that they are in the same. That there's a sense in which, you know, Anthony didn't bear Akio's child, as far as we know, but doesn't she kind of have to carry around a part of him all the time or i think in the case i think in the case like the way like even the way that instance has been talking about is just sort of like or it's like the, the idea of i think like even ikahara just sort of brings this up just like the idea of like having like a shared body or something like that and it's like god i i don't even know if i really have it in me to go down that line of thought that much but it's like god like there's, there's really like so there's so much going on here and it's it's like it's still it's still sort of incredible to me how like it's still feels like like unexplored territory in a way there's like that that's the thing with anime is that it's always going to be you're always going to be either it's going to be really fun funny or it's going to be really really dark yeah i think hmm, okay i, I want to mention like one more maybe maybe like one detail on a slightly lighter note i guess of trying to like com- like comparing nanami and anthe like anthe has the whole thing with animals going and stuff like that like mm-hmm. that one episode where she um or no i guess like that one episode where nanami's trying to um you know put like snails in her pencil box gar- like garter snake anthe hamemi des- is a weirdo who keeps snails in her pencil <sighs> box 
sucks. But the, yeah, it's just like the thing is with that is like she like she went out and like I mean the snail is one thing. I think you'd probably find a snail anyway. But she went out into the forest to get that garter snake herself. She spent she spent time looking for that thing. She spent time getting an octopus from who knows where she got that. And it's like I don't I don't I always it's like a cute little detail of me how it's like it, like Anthony like honestly it's even hard for me to like lean too hard into Anthony being a witch. I think she's just a girl that like loves animals a lot. And it's like I I like maybe even like Nanami is sort of like um you know she's dipping her toes into that too. You know it, it's just I guess it's like no I can see that. Yeah, it, it's like that one little, it's like this one little detail I really love. Yeah, I can see that. And I, you know, maybe that's, and maybe if you want to like take this down a really bad route, maybe that's like the whole, um, uh, the whole way of like, oh, like this proves that they're witches or whatever, in a sense, which is kind of why I sort of, <laughs> which is why I sort of go against the idea of like leaning too hard in the idea of that they're witches or anything like that but yeah it's just like i don't know i prefer i prefer to take things that way because it feels like humanizing to me yeah yeah man i i I look i look for it wherever i can yeah i totally get that alice were you gonna say something no do you have any closing thoughts ben um not really uh lozo do you have anything else that you want us to cover i'm trying to think of something i I think that's it basically it's okay if the answer is no i just want to make sure that we don't miss anything that you wanted to talk about the only thing i have left to say is that Naname is pretty great in the musical oh yeah. oh god yeah she is like i was gonna say if you haven't seen the musical oh my god that's literally Naname like in real life she has the best song it's the best yeah. part of the like the, the part where she tells the audience to clap harder like yes yes she really is that bitch I, I can't. The sad thing is that like that's the most she appears in like an antenna property outside of the show. I think. Oh, it's definitely the most concentrated in which she appears for sure. Yeah. Oh, what about the um? I think she appears in the game some too, but I I haven't I haven't seen enough of that to know yet. I believe that she has a minor part in the game, but from what I have gathered, it is not particularly significant, or there isn't like a lot that has to do with her. But she is in there, and she's in like the I remember that she's in the opening animated sequence for the game, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's de- I know that there's not a non-anime out in the game which is tragic but i'm i'm reconsidering i'm reconsidering emulating this thing i I don't care anymore actually i (laughs) I would recommend watching a playthrough of it on youtube if you're interested because it is an interesting game it is actually a really good game but what did now i think about what do you anami route even look like like i i want how would that even work with just with her i think uh we speculated a little bit about this in uh the episode that we did about the game i don't alice i think that you weren't able to make it for that episode and i had I had Abby on as a fill-in guest host, but uh, we talked about, it was mainly a character episode for Chigusa, the uh, main antagonist Mm. of the game, but uh, we just sort of talked about the game in general, and since uh, our guest, guest expert about the game uh, knows that Naname is my favorite character, he asked how we thought a Naname route would go. (laughs) 
And honestly, I I have no idea. I remember we came up with uh, our experts, Jeff and Jenner, I think, came up with a couple of really good ideas for what an anime route would be. But I don't remember what they were because I haven't listened to that episode since I put it out. But it's in the Chigusa episode. If anybody is wondering, you can go back and listen to that or you can at me on Twitter and tell me what I said. I might because I'm just curious enough about it. But um, yeah, if that's um, if that's all we've got, we can wrap up now. Yeah, I think I think it's a pretty good place to stop. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Usnecast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you could do that at Mpandanata. Alice, where can people follow you on Twitter? They can follow me on Twitter at Lyrewolf, which is L Y R E W U L F. And we are a Patreon supported podcast. You can find the link to our Patreon anywhere that we can be found on the internet basically we have a tumblr at imagineandutina.tumblr.com and you can email us at imagineandutina.gmail.com that's the best place to contact for getting on the show but you can also dm us on twitter if you want to come on and talk about something um Ludzo, where can people find you on the internet should you wish to be found hmm. well i have a twitter account that i don't really use that much but um it's like Ludzu underscore schmudzu like i think <laughs> i might have spelled schmudzu wrong too like s-h-m udzu but yeah i i don't i don't even use it that much but i guess if you want to find me there that's where i am do you have anything that you would rather plug so do you do anything else on the internet or is there somewhere that you're more active uh that is if you want people to find you it's okay if you don't yeah nothing <laughs> nothing nothing yet well thank you for coming on the show i greatly enjoy this conversation because like i said naname is my favorite and i have been really looking forward to getting to do this episode at some point so i was so excited when you reached out thank yeah. you for revolutionizing the world with us tonight that is what i'm going to leave with thank you for having me all right see you later <sighs> bye guys <laughs>